everyone. Welcome to the Launch Podcast. I'm Jeff Carpenter, Director of Residence Life. And I'm Carissa Church, the CCI Internship Coordinator, and we're your hosts. College graduation can always be a difficult season of life, but the senior class of 2020 faces a truly unique challenge as they launch their careers in the midst of the great pause. Launch is a podcast for graduating seniors that offers practical and spiritual insight for navigating this transition from college student to full adult. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming Mr. Paul Edwards. Paul just retired after serving for five years as senior vice president at Gordon College. Paul, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what you've been doing over the past five years at Gordon? Sure, Jeff. And uh, hi, Carissa. Hi. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, for five years, I've been doing fundraising for Gordon College and um, alumni relations, too. Paul, is there one skill that you'd maybe say has been super critical for you as you've been working in fundraising and alumni relations? Sure. Um, number that add up, I think ability to ask people for money probably probably counts. Uh, ability to take no, that probably counts. But I'd say if you were to you were to roll them all up, it's the ability to uh, use and understand emotions. And uh, that's what I want to talk about today. Interesting. So, so tell us more about this, Paul. What is this idea of emotional intelligence or EQ? You know, it's, uh, it's something that we kind of take for granted, uh, but we see it mostly when it's lacking in other people. Um, emotional intelligence is that ability, as I said, to be able to use your own emotions and those of other people in order to better improve maybe your interactions with folks, your mental health, and uh, just your interpersonal coping. Um, I got a TV show for you to call to mind. Uh, If you've seen Big Bang Theory, you're probably familiar with the character Sheldon. Now, Sheldon seems to have relational challenges with people. Now, just curious, Jeff, when you think of Sheldon, what uh, what comes to mind with regard to his ability to relate well to other people? Um, not much comes to mind that his <laughs> ability to relate well. Um, I the iconic. I hear the penny, penny, penny. And Carissa, when you think of him, especially his self awareness. Say that Sheldon is pretty self-aware or pretty clueless. I would say in any episode that I have ever watched, he has been extremely clueless to the social situation that has been going on and how he reacts to everyone else's reactions. Yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out that the ability to not just identify where you are, how you're feeling, but also how other people feel is um, is a very valuable skill. In fact, it's such a valuable skill that um, business has begun to prize it even more highly than IQ. You know, it was the folks at um, General Electric who pretty much discovered that if, if you were to take two groups of people, the, the highest IQ folks on a task, and you mix them up with a group of fairly average IQ, but high EQ, the high EQs would outperform the high IQs three quarters of the time in group tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, been best caught or captured in writing in a book called Emotional intelligence by uh, Dan Goleman. 
And uh, it, uh, it's become now a really important skill to be aware of and to begin to add to your repertoire. So what you were just talking about self-awareness. What other aspects are there of emotional intelligence and what, what can people do to be building all of these aspects? Sure. So self-awareness is one, which is that you're recognizing your own mood, your own feelings, um, your conversation with your inner state. Um, there's second, which is called self-regulation, the ability to use emotional knowledge to prevent moods or emotions from causing an impulsive reaction or behavior. Give an example of self-regulation. Somebody uh, backs into your car and dents your fender. What might be an example of poor self-regulation if they back into your car? What's poor self-regulation? Using to open your window and start yelling at them immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Making, cer- making certain gestures, shall we certain say. gestures and things like that. Or how about in the road when you're driving along and someone cuts you off, right? What Tempted to do anything there? Especially in Massachusetts, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So self-regulation as a part of emotional intelligence says, hmm, I can keep myself in check and choose to bring my emotions forward when I want to and when I don't. Third dimension is your own internal motivation. What I mean by that is that when you make decisions as a result of some inner drive, maybe optimism or curiosity or desire to achieve, or or maybe the desire to delay gratification so that you can achieve some bigger goal. Now, I'm just curious, do you think many seniors have had to learn how to delay gratification to achieve a bigger goal? That's the definition of the last four years, right? (laughs) Well, believe it or not, that internal motivation, that self-regulation to say, whether it's chocolate or whether it's deciding to game for another hour and lose an hour of sleep, whatever it is, that's a dimension of emotional intelligence. I'll give you two more. Empathy. Just the simple ability to enter into and understand the emotions of, of other people and especially their emotional state. Um, You can think of times when you'll see a person crying. Uh, A particularly empathetic person is able to distinguish between tears of sadness versus tears of joy. Um, A little story about that. Uh, My wife and I were attending a Christian conference My wife had kind of had enough of all of the exhortation and maybe the what began to feel a little bit like over-the-top enthusiastic encouragement. And she was was so over-the-top that she was beginning to kind of laugh to herself when, please, won't they stop? Now, I knew my wife well enough so that when I look over at her and I see her laughing, her shoulders are going up and down, but she's 
she's beginning to tear up as she is laughing. Well, the people behind don't have a whole lot of understanding or awareness of what's going on with my wife. So they put a hand on her shoulder as this to go there, there. And she starts to laugh even more, but she's not able to vocalize it. So it's, it's, you know, she's absolutely heaving in tears and they go, Oh, you poor dear. And I'm wanting to turn around to them and say, knock it off she thinks it's funny so anyway empathy how to but, how but to, you practice some self-regulation in that I moment did self-regulation, that. So, it didn't, so it didn't go over so empathy the ability to accurately define what's going on in another person and then finally the last piece which you might call simple social skills using your emotional intelligence to establish a strong relationship facilitate successful interactions with coworkers, with peers, how to be able to enter into a room and not cause people to be afraid of you, but to want to open up to you, how to use space and your face, your smile, gestures with your hands, okay? Seems like it's pretty straightforward stuff, but you would be amazed at how low an EQ people have, many of whom who have pretty high IQs. So what are some ways that we can just be raising things like self-awareness on a day-to-day basis? Sure, sure. So I I guess I'll I'll talk about two things. One is just getting personally competent, and the other is being able to interact socially with others. So so when I think of personal competence, it's it's how I'm able every day to... Um, improve my self-awareness, and then in turn, improve my self-management. So self-awareness is the ability to accurately perceive my own emotions and stay aware of them as they're happening. Um, So yesterday, my wife and I are cleaning out boxes in the garage. And There's a box that opens up and there are photo albums, right? Well, as it's a cleaning out boxes and the task, I think, is to get rid of excess boxes. But as I see these photo albums, all of a sudden, new emotions are beginning to come forward as I'm looking at pictures and I'm starting to slow down on the box activity. And I'm asking myself, what am I getting in touch with? Why am I slowing down? Why is my voice changing? Well, that would be an element of maybe of maybe self-awareness. You can think of situations when you're in a classroom and a, a teacher walks past you. If you're feeling uncomfortable with that teacher walking past or a stranger walks past you and you, you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable. So self-awareness is that accurately reading what's going on based on an interaction with with someone else. It's uh, sort of collateral uh, element is self-management. So if I'm aware, then how do I in turn manage my emotions? How do I manage my behaviors when I'm, when I am aware? How am I, how am I keeping myself in check? Now you can see that having uh, awareness of your situation but also being able to manage yourself in a situation can be um, can be pretty useful. Um, so I'll give you some examples of things that just help with regard to self-awareness. Um, one is just not monitoring your self-talk. You know, um, people are uh, 
they let their inner monologue, that inner tape, uh, run. And sometimes you need to, Scripture says, take every thought captive. You need to stop the crazy self-talk. Well, the first step in stopping is just monitoring, why am I thinking that way? Okay. Um, the second one, simple one, is just practice saying no to yourself. Um, you know that you don't need that extra piece of chocolate or you don't need that third helping or whatever. So just simply practicing, I, I can choose to say no, raises, raises self-awareness. Um, I invite uh, people to, when uh, they work with me, to keep a journal. Um, the purpose of a journal is to help you with regard to two activities, capturing feedback, but also forcing yourself to reflect, um, to be able to say, how did I do in that situation? How is my, how is my life going at this point? Is this actually the trail that I wanted to be on? Now, I'm sure neither of you guys have done that sort of stuff. Have you? I actually, uh, CCI has adopted that when I actually heard that from you speaking once when I was a student at Gordon College. And now I teach students to always reflect on their situations, especially for any kind of professional skill development that they might need. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one other. It's in the self-awareness. And this is one that I found has helped me tremendously. Um, so I, I describe it as expanding your emotional vocabulary. Here's a simple one. Um, there's a difference between anger and rage. Um, I define anger as an extreme expression of emotion inviting change. Rage, however, is an extreme expression of emotion resisting further hurt. Now, if I see somebody who's yelling and their face is all screwed up, if my, if my emotional vocabulary includes a new word, I can ask myself, is that person angry? Are they inviting change? Or are they raging? Do they think, do they think I'm hurting them? Because the words and the facial expressions look exactly the same, right? But by just introducing a new word, rage isn't the same as anger. Wow, for myself, I'm able to say, do I think they're hurting me? Or am I actually asking for change? And I'm just not being really great at expressing it. Okay, all righty. So, that's self-awareness. With regard to self-management, there's just a couple of things that you might want to try. Um, to be aware when your body is starting to manifest its discomfort. Now, I don't know where you all hide your stress physically, but for some of you, you hide it in your shoulders. Your shoulders are right up by your earlobes, okay? And so to be aware that my shoulders are as high as my earlobes, I go, oh, okay, I, maybe I need to let my shoulders down. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to relax, all right? Um, same is true with how do I come at doing certain things? Do I use the same, as an example, problem-solving strategies? Um, I had 
uh, our two daughters have been staying with us over this uh, COVID-enforced Sabbath. And one of them was trying to decide when she was going to go back to New York. So we used a plus-minus problem-solving technique. We take uh, stay here, plus-minus, go back to New York, plus-minus, all right? Now, they seem to be virtual, but it's not quite the same analysis. If I ask the question, shall I stay here? Yes, I shall. No, I shouldn't. Shall I go back to New York? Yes, I shall. No, I shouldn't. You get slightly different answers in the two columns. When you add them up and you get the difference between the plus in one column and the minus in the other, those are similar. And the same is true with the minus in one and the plus in the other. And then if you do weighted voting, you give yourself uh, one-third the number of uh, items that you listed is the number of votes. You can put two checks, three checks, four checks beside each of the items. Then you can go, oh, so among these four options, these are the ones that seem to matter more to me than others. So, so developing problem-solving strategies can be a part of your self-management portfolio. I was going to say, are you were just talking about stress and sort of approaches and strategies. Are there any activities that you recommend other than practicing problem solving that you feel help these situations just as like a natural release? Sure. So being able to use words when you're in a stressful situation to put your feelings in front of you. So, uh, as an example, um, at dinner, Jean has been feeding the dog all sorts of just terrible stuff from the table. And I'm saying, this is really bad. Look, and look at it. And I, and I know what's going to happen. In about an hour and a half, there's going to be this really awful noise upstairs. And guess what? Now, our dog is not, isn't petite. This is a 95-pound dog. So when he decides to kick back all the glory of the meals, it's a major mess. So to self-manage, I may use words and I'll say, Gene, the dog threw up again. Can I express to you how I'm feeling? On a scale of one to 10, one, this is pretty minor. 10, I'm furious this feels like about a seven. And here's why. I gave warnings about this. I said we shouldn't be doing it. And um, so, so I'm wanting you to know I'm about a seven on a scale of one to 10. So being able to verbalize or put scalar, a, a scalar element to something uh, can be useful. You might want to say red, yellow, green. How are you doing in this situation? Red, ah, I'm pretty upset. Yellow. I'm transitional, green, I'm doing fine, I'm feeling fine, right? Um, so, so the ability to objectify is a stress reliever. Are there ones that you guys use? Uh, does punching a punching bag count? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yeah, and I think physical activity is critical for so many people. You know, we're made body and soul and spirit together. Um, and definitely, um, one of the things that I think I know for myself was a big stress relief is to be able to run or exercise in some way. And it clears my head and helps me 
come back and then be able to apply some of this more putting language to things. Cause sometimes when you're in the midst of that, maybe not rage, but maybe anger or frustration, it's actually, you have a really hard time putting words to it. But if you allow your body to physically calm down, sometimes your mind is unable to process things as well. So, so personal management is one, but then the second sort of big area is what I would call social competence. And as you would imagine, there are two elements. If there's an awareness element of personal management, uh, so too there's a social awareness. And if there's a management uh, element to your personal, there's also a management element to relational. So when I think of social awareness, that's my ability to accurately pick up the emotions of other people and understand what's really going on. You know, a great test of your social awareness EQ is to turn the sound off of a sitcom. You turn the situation comedy on and then turn the sound off and watch what's going on with the actors and then write down what you think the situation is based on not being able to hear words but being able to see the faces and the reaction of the faces and then turn the sound up and go, ah, that's what they're talking about. And that's why she's angry. And that's why, and, um, television sitcoms are, are hugely helpful training grounds for being able to read others. Now, why would I use that? Well, for a simple reason, you can come into a busy party, a noisy exchange, a, a conference room, a business meeting, and not be able to hear the actual words of people in the room, but by their body language, by their pairings, by their facial expressions, you can pre-read what's going on in a meeting, in a social setting. And so some training for that and being able to uh, do that accurately can be hugely, hugely helpful. Have either of you had to do that with regard to pre-reading a room when you walked in and you weren't aware of the conversation that was taking place? I mean, I feel like I'm, I think it happens, you know, this kind of situation that you described every time you walk into a meeting, you, it's that same sort of, especially I think of are all student life meetings where you have 30 to 40 people kind of milling around and you're seeing who's sitting with who and the different, you know, conversations and dynamics of conversations and, you know, all of those different interplays that are going on and you haven't even said hi to someone yet, but there's so much information that you've received just by being in the room for 10 seconds. Yeah. 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 If you're aware of it. So some social awareness, kind of what I might say, either tactics. Um, you know, we have a really uh, not good ability to re- remember names. Um, and being able to remember someone's first name is a huge social skill. So uh, a, a simple activity is greet people by name. And if you can't remember their name, uh, go ahead and swallow your pride and go, Ah, you know, you're probably the 500th person I've met today, but I just don't remember your name. Give me a, give me a, okay, thanks. Or I'll say, you know, I'm having a senior moment or it's really close. I don't want to embarrass you, but your name is. And by then repeating it and repeating it again, you begin to help yourself enter into that situation. 
Finally, I'd say there are differences in terms of social awareness, social space, eye contact, facial expressions between Anglo culture and other cultures. I may be uh, thinking that it's very important that somebody make direct eye contact with me. But I can assure you that there are a number of cultures internationally where making direct eye contact is a threatening expression as opposed to averting gaze or giving a three-quarters of your face, not full face on. So the sort of rules of other cultures, they're worth studying. And uh, there's actually some very, really useful um, material on the internet, uh, especially about this with regard to cross-cultural interaction. Just improves your social awareness. So talking about relationship management, we are really experiencing such a lack of social experience right now. So why is it important for our seniors who will potentially be going into the workforce soon to be learning these practices and learn how to relationship manage in their personal life and in their work life? Yeah. Um, I'd say you have an opportunity in this enforced Sabbath to do a little bit of what we referred earlier, which is receiving candid feedback from those opinions that we trust and reflecting on that feedback to decide how do you want to come across and how do you want to interact with other people. This is a season of reflection. and. Scripture gives us plenty of opportunity to reflect. You could say that David became one of the really emotionally in-touch people uh, that the world has seen, as evidenced by the number of psalms that he wrote and the emotions that David explores with great candor, directness, empathy, full feeling being able to express it and put it out there so that others could see it. Well, we're in the season of personal reflection and deciding how do we want to come across when the, uh, when the all clear is sounded and we do want to enter again. I guess I'd offer one other piece, which was God has been at his desk. Uh, Jesus has been at the throne the entire time. He's not been surprised by this season. It could be that this is a gift and that we're actually to learn some things in the season of Sabbath so that as we exit it, we don't leave it behind, but we rather consider it as, hmm, this was our uh, time in the Arabian desert, so to speak, the way the Apostle Paul had a season away. It's a season of preparation for the next season to come. Well, Paul, we are so glad to have been able to spend a little bit of time hanging out with you this evening and getting to pick your brain about emotional intelligence. Listeners, we hope that you'll join us next week for our next podcast. Until then, see you next time.